Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot No, I just be listening to pods Yeah, one in particular I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? It is Thursday, so we are back with another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable. We've got the usual crew here. Matt and Dennis are both here. We are going to talk about our top 24 wide receivers in the 2020 Fantasy Football season. Going to recap uh, how they did, how close we're in getting some of these guys right, and where we expect them to go into the 2021 season. Dennis, Matt, how are you guys doing on this beautiful Thursday? Well, I am doing great. It's it's not so much we're going to talk about our top 24 wide receivers. <laughs> we're going to talk about the 24 that finished top 24. We may or may not have, uh, you know, been accurate or or whatnot. You know, let let's just say there's a couple in here we're really going to celebrate and hope you don't notice the rest. Yeah, I got to cling to those two or three that really worked out for us. Well, hey, you know, like. Like the disclaimer I'm going to give on every episode, we did these really early. So, you know, I think even hitting on a few of them is pretty darn good. Doing this in June when you don't even, like, had Stefan Diggs even moved to Buffalo at this point? I don't know. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Matt. Now, you're supposed to say, you know what? I don't know, Matt. That's a good question. It was him moving to Buffalo. That's the reason we dropped him. If he was still been in Minnesota, I don't think he would have. Yeah, I mean. If I remember correctly, I'm actually pretty sure that like was one of us or two of us actually left Stefan Diggs out of our initial rankings the first time. I know I left Amari Cooper out of my rankings at one point and had to go back in and add him. So that was definitely a, a fun episode. I, I do remember Did the wide really receivers. Out, though? I mean, 
I mean, no, but yes, at the same time. I do acknowledge he exists and plays in the NFL, so he should at least be on the rankings list. All right, so let's kick it off here. Number one, Devontae Adams had an amazing season. Uh, we were all very close on him, and we had him two, three, and two. So, I mean, it's not like any of us thought he wasn't going to be that good. Obviously, him staying healthy for the most part this full season. What, he really only missed two games, I believe, or was it three? I can't remember now off the top of my head. I know he was. He should have been back for the one before the bye, and they held him out. So, I, I know. He, he missed go ahead, two. Dennis. He two? played okay. in 14 so, games. So, and I, I do believe he could have played in that one before the bye, because I remember him posting on Twitter. It was like a big thing about it because he said he was ready to play and the Packers came out like a day later and said he's not playing and, and he seemed pretty upset about it. Regardless, the connection between him and Rodgers was incredible this year. Do you guys expect that to change it all in 2021? We know the way Rodgers kind of is with those wide receivers. You know, Dennis, you have been big on MVS for a while now and he probably had one of his better seasons of his career last year. Really seemed to turn it up, especially in the playoffs as well. Do you expect him to take another step forward? Adams to continue to stay right up here as the number one, two, three wide receiver in the NFL in 2021? Well, Rodgers, he trusts Adams. He, it was that way with Jordy Nelson. It was that way with, uh, shoot, I forget who was before Jordy. But that's just the way it goes with, with Rodgers. He has to build up that trust. And then when he knows, A, you're going to be where you're supposed to be, or A, you're going to be where you're supposed to be, and B, if something breaks down, he knows that you know what he's thinking. And and that way the two can improvise. I, as far as MVS goes, you know, it's him and Lazard and uh, even Equinemia St. Brown was coming on. The second receiver there is up for grabs. They all kind of do something different. Uh, it's not a position you, uh, you want to invest too heavily in the, the Green Bay wide receiver too. I do think that, you know, last year's pearl clutching over the, the Packers not drafting a wide receiver was a, a little bit humorous because it does take Rodgers so long to develop trust. You know, even with MBS and his drops, Rodgers still has a high level of trust in him because he knows he can make a big play. He knows, yes, he, a, a drop or two comes with the territory with MBS. Lazard is out there. He does a lot of good things. He's an excellent blocker. He gets on the field. But it's the Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers show in Green Bay. Yeah, probably I think a bigger question for the Green Bay passing attack is if they can get Tanyan um, back because he's he's a free agent. He was arguably their, their second best kind of target. He had 59 targets, caught 52 of them. Both Lazard and MVS caught 33. You know, I, I think it's Adams. You know, we've seen him throughout his career. He you know, when he's there, um, he's pretty incredible. Will he catch eighteen touchdowns again? Maybe not, you know, maybe that comes back a little bit, but it would be uh, to me it'd be impossible to, to take him anywhere out of the top three. You know, I learned last year not to doubt Aaron Jones' uh, touchdown regressions. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't doubt Devontae <laughs> Adams any. I, I, was, that, I feel like that kind of bit me, bit me in the ass this year. Thinking that uh, with the way he pretty, I mean, he obviously regressed some, but pretty much stayed right there. I, I, 
Adams is an absolute baller. What's what's going to be interesting? So he has one year left on his contract, right before he um, becomes a free agent. I'd be curious to see if they re-sign him with, you know, Rodgers. I hope Rodgers continues playing for another couple of years. Obviously, they, I think they drafted Jordan Love with some kind of thought that maybe Rodgers won't be around much longer. So if they re-sign Adams, what his value may be long-term. Uh, but I just I don't see any way you can move off of him in a dynasty league right now. He Unless you get like a godfather offer, right? There's no way you're moving him. That is absolutely correct. It's, okay, that's what I, I, yeah. I, I've been down on him, uh, not down, but not as high as everybody else. And even I'm going, I'm, uh, yeah, that's the dude. I drafted him in yeah. the first round of my most recent startup. Yeah. All right. So this is definitely going to be one of the guys we were uh, way wrong on. Uh, and that is Stefan Diggs, who it's funny because I know I said that I thought him going to Buffalo was going to be a good landing spot. I thought he worked well with Josh Allen. Never expected him to be wide receiver two on the season. So you and Dennis were obviously much closer than me by ranking him 25. I ranked him 38. Obviously had a just phenomenal season. I mean, he clearly fits perfect into this offense. Him and Josh Allen had it clicking from game one. Literally the minute they stepped on the field, those two had it going. What do you expect now going forward, though, into 2021? Because we saw... Obviously not wide receiver two numbers out of him in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, but we saw him have really good games, never quite up to this standard. Obviously looks like they're going to lose John Brown. We all like Gabriel Davis uh, there in that offense. I I don't think he's going to threaten Stephon Diggs at all. What do you expect from them? And and Matt and me talked to Dennis on Monday's episode about them needing to get better in the running game. If they move any more toward running, uh, getting maybe a better running back or maybe Singletary Moss takes a step forward. Do you expect that to hurt Diggs any? How much do you expect him to fall if you do expect him to fall at all? I I feel like regression is, you know, every offseason, if if somebody outperforms their – what it what we believe is their normal, then the talk all becomes about regression. Um, I think Diggs will end up regressing some, but it's to me it'll be more a function of uh, Josh Allen coming back down to earth. I, I think completion wise might have been a career year for Josh Allen. Not, you know he's he's been a relatively inaccurate passer for a long long time. Could he shake it and be consistently a 65% passer or better? Maybe, but I feel like that's uh, – I got to see it for more than one year. Uh, you know, I rostered Allen in a couple places this year or last year. I've, I've got him uh, in the NFFL salary cap league, $300 salary cap, and I've got Allen for $13. I'm not getting rid of him. Uh, you know, you, at that price, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, will he come back a little bit? Um, it's certainly possible. Josh Allen had thrown, you know, 320 pass attempts as a rookie, 461 in his second year. They threw it 572 times last year. Do they try to get more balance? Does that come down? How does that uh, impact Diggs? D- you know, Diggs and Beasley were pretty much the main targets, both of them up over 100 targets. 166 targets, a, a career high uh, for Diggs. Um, you know, I don't think losing John Brown does much. He, he only caught 
you know, he only had like 50 targets. You probably expect a little bit of a bump up for Gabe Davis, who seemed like he was coming on. Um, but I don't think Diggs has any significant competition, and he's just been so good. He was almost unguardable. Um, I, I would still look at him being in the top five, even if he comes back a little bit. So five yeah, is Diggs kind of where is, you see him fall to? Diggs falls into that uh, Devontae Adams kind of territory where he's clearly the best guy on the team, has the most trust. But uh, again, I just looked and uh, Allen's completion percentage jumped 11 points this year. I don't think you can attribute that to steroids like home runs, but you right. know it's it, it's a, that's a huge huge jump. Uh, I think top five is is a reasonable expectation. Um, you know, I think watch your guy, watch your boy Isaiah Coulter there, or no, not Coulter Hodgins. The other thing is, do we see? So Diggs played a full sixteen games yeah. um, this year. That hasn't always been the case for him you know sometimes he's played 14 11 you know so a little bit can he stay on the field the same amount but when they're on the field they have a some serious connection we saw it in the playoffs still too yeah so dennis so you're saying top five just like matt that you don't see him i mean at worst he's dropping maybe to five you can't see him dropping out of that top five and 21 well i'm i'm you know, it's fucking February 25th. I'm not planting my flag oh, yeah, on it I know yet. that. No, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah, but I'm saying like you're, you know, obviously we can't we can't predict injury like Matt was saying. But you're saying obviously right. all things considered with the season he just had, especially with yeah. Allen. I know you, what you're saying with Allen possibly. Like even if he comes back a regression a little bit, like where do you expect him? Like nobody's expecting him to drop to where we ranked him, obviously, earlier in this year. But where yeah. do you, I guess, see his floor being? You know, you just talked about Devontae Adams in the first round of a startup because a lot of people are doing their best ball drafts. Now some people are doing startups right now. Uh, like, where do you see, like, his floor being right now? Well, he was at, what, 328 points at wide receiver two. Wide receiver four was 287 points. So wide receiver five was Ridley. At 281.5. I think, yeah, that's that seems like a pretty reasonable expectation as a floor, that 280 fantasy points. Um, yeah. Does that mean we could, we you know, seven people don't score 300? You know, that could possibly happen. I mean, the league gets more and more pass heavy. Uh, I, I like what Diggs does, how he plays, and the chemistry he developed with Adams right from the get-go, uh, has, has everything pointing up for them, especially, you know, even if Adam or uh, Allen's um, completion percentage drops from 69 to 65, you, you know, you're still in a really good good spot, whereas last year it was 58.8. So, yeah, I like what he's got going on there. I, yeah, I drafted that- Diggs in the second round where I drafted Adams in the first oh, round. Okay. Well, to me, it's not like, you know, Adams caught 18 touchdowns, which is part of what vaults him up there. Yeah. Dig, Diggs just did his normal thing. You know, he averaged 12.1 yards reception. His career average is 12.5. It's not like he had these exceptional, you know, caught a ton of deep passes, caught a ton of touchdowns. You know, he had eight touchdowns. He's had eight or nine touchdowns. Three, three out of the six years in his career. 
I don't think, it, you know, those are the kinds of things I would look at if you were worried about a major regression. The biggest step forward he took this year is he played in all 16 games and he got a ton of targets. You know, his previous career high was 149, and that was his year that he got uh, over 100 receptions. Uh, so that to me, the only thing that would cause a major re- regression is does Buffalo significantly change its offense and try to go back to being the kind of, you know, like Josh Allen's first season and even a lot of his second, you thought of them as a power running team. That was not their MO uh, in 2020. All right, so number three was Tyreek Hill. Uh, Dennis was almost spot on with this pretty much. It had him ranked as four. Me and Matt both had him ranked as eight. Obviously, uh, I did not expect them to continue to be able to pass the ball the way that they did, and they did. I, I mean, I really don't have – I mean, I, eight spot, four spots off I don't think is too bad, or five spots off. But, I mean, no. they, he, they're clearly going to be up in the top. I think I could say the same thing about Hill we just said about Diggs and Adams. I just – as long as he's healthy, he can't drop out of the top five. Not with Mahomes. Or if Mahomes is healthy, too, obviously. Although, you know, with the way, what's his name? I'm I'm blacking, blanking out on his name now because of the pain and trauma he caused me. But um, what's their backup Chelsea? quarterback's name? Oh, no, Chad, Henney. Back- Chad Henney. Was it, Chad it Henney. really Chad Henney? God, yeah, that asshole. Yeah. You know, even with, with the way Chad Henney did put that dagger in the Browns, he probably could keep Tyreek's Hill val- value afloat. Uh, I mean – any, I assume neither one of you have any worries about Tyreek Hill. You know, that that offense has two receivers, and it's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. The second, I mean, Hill had 135 targets. Hardman, believe it or not, was second in targets. He had 62. Demarcus Robinson, 59. Sammy, 55. So uh, Tyreek Hill gets fed, him, him and Kelsey, and that's going to – stay their MO for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, you, you've won a, you've won a Super Bowl and went to another. You're winning your division year after year. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I think the only concern would be for Tyreek Hill's children. <laughs> That's a, well, as long sorry. as they don't play defensive back, they should be okay. Definitely me. I mean, Dennis has got the very nice uh, Jim Trestle look going on. I think uh, I think Dennis could be a very good. Coach. I mean, I, I mean, I think both Dennis and Matt know more about football than I do. So I just would like what good is Sean McVay stand in? That's all. That's all. That's about all I got going for me. So uh, number four, same thing. We pretty much nailed this. And I, I do want to give us a little bit of props on this because we were. From what I remember, some of the few people who were not doubting the move of DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona, there was a lot of people who I won't name here, but were like completely trashing that move, saying DeAndre Hopkins was not even going to finish as a top 12 wide receiver because he wasn't going to get the volume. He comes in at four. We had him at four, five, and four, so we were all right on with this one. And I don't expect that to change much either. I mean, Hopkins again goes in there. Murray, I mean, I've said – as much as I liked Murray last year, picked him as my MVP, I am starting to worry a little bit more about him than I was earlier, but he's still going to get fed the ball in Arizona. You know, Matt, we talked about it a little bit. I think actually we all may have been on the episode with Tony where we're not sure how to feel about Christian Kirk. I don't know what's going to happen with Larry Fitzgerald. So Hopkins is really the only first sure thing in Arizona moving forward. I don't see him falling out anywhere. Your guys' thoughts on Hopkins? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think he's still going to be up there. Uh, top five, his talent hasn't diminished. If anything, if they get somebody opposite him, it'll be more impossible to triple team him. Well, I mean, we saw you triple know, teams I, didn't matter this year anyways, so. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. DeAndre Hopkins is a full-grown man. And it's, you know, there's there's that axe. There, you know, we, we in the fantasy community and in football and life in general, we love axioms and sayings, things we can hang our hat on that, that make things simple and easy to understand. And one of those is wide receivers changing teams struggle their first year. Well, what we realized after watching some of these wide receivers change teams and not struggle is that, yeah, generally wide receivers struggle, unless you're like a top five wide receiver, in which case they went out and got you. And they're going to, they looked at you and said, hey, if we get this dude the ball a lot, he's going to do a whole lot of good stuff. So it's going to be in our best interest to get the ball to him a lot. Uh, we saw that with Hopkins. Uh, even when Kyler was, um, you know, I, I'll be honest, a couple of the Cardinals games that I, I've seen some bits of, uh, Kyler would get out there running around. DeAndre would be running his 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 route, and then uh, Murray would run, and you could almost see Hopkins be like, well, God damn it, and he'd turn and run the other direction so he could get open and do the scramble drill and stuff, and it just, maybe it's just the way that Hopkins runs, and that's what my mind thinks, but. Uh, I like DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's a he's got a a, a few uh, top five years ahead of him. Yeah, I'm really uh, really regretting trading him this year. Um, I really felt like I was winning that trade, and then things have gone the way that they have. And I've, I'm I'm gonna miss Hop. I'm really 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 gonna miss him because he's an absolute baller. Uh, but on the so plus side, don't you have like 45 teams? So you still roster him somewhere, right? I didn't. I've actually dropped a lot of leagues this year. Um, you know, trying to get down to like Good. a more manageable number with some of the other stuff I've got going on. I think I'm at 35 now. I want to drop a few more because I plan on adding a certain amount of leagues this year. But yeah, I've dropped a considerable amount actually. I've, I've like eliminated yeah. everything but flea flicker and MFL for the most part. So, man, my the startup I just did is on sleeper 54 round IDP one, two, three SFBX scoring. I mean, I so love it's, sleeper. it's got some wide so, scoring, it's, it's amazing. Can't can't wait. I'm sure well, I'll join some league that's on sleeper this year. So, oh, I've got I've I've got one other startup on sleeper that's gonna draft after the NFL draft, and it's a uh parent kid league oh okay so me and my son my 10 year old son are managing a dynasty team there you go I, I, i'd love to be able to do that someday but neither one of my kids seem to even know like my youngest whenever i'm watching football is like hey look dad it's baseball i'm like that's right buddy it's baseball and it's just you know is what it is all right so the next four guys uh, are really not going to be fun for us to talk about because we were as wrong as wrong could be on these next couple calvin ridley finished as wide receiver five uh dennis had him at 20 i had him at 15 matt had him at 18 
Uh, so none of us were uh, really close at all. Uh, for me, I think a lot of it was I still believed in Julio being the dominant for- force there. And I just I, – I know we – I mean, we all had Ridley as our, our, our wide receiver too, so we didn't think he was going to have a bad year, but did not expect him to be a realistically an elite wide receiver. I don't see any way with the way he played last year and the way the offense in a way ran through him, even when Julio was on the field, him dropping – out of at worst 10. And I don't think I'm going to have him outside of my top 10 when I rank the wide receivers. Matt, what are your thoughts on Ridley for 21 with Julio kind of moving toward the end of his career, it looks like, and same with Matt Ryan, a whole new offense. What's your takeaways from Ridley? Yeah, I think we saw the kind of the flip uh, from Julio Jones to Calvin Ridley. Part of it, too, Julio had trouble staying on the field. He only appeared in nine games. Um you know, which severely limited him. There is really no one else who's significant competition. Hayden Hurst got a little bit better the second half of the season. Uh, I know the most shocking thing, I was just pulling up the Atlanta Falcons stats. Did you know Russell Gage saw 107 targets? Uh, It's almost impossible that he was on the field that much. Um, But, you know, I think Ridley is, is moving up there. We'll have to see how the offseason goes, but unless Atlanta can make a huge inroad uh, in improving its defense and figuring out a running game, uh, they're probably going to be a pretty heavy passing offense again, still in a division with the Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Carolina Panthers, still going to have to probably throw their way out of a lot, still have Matt Ryan. Uh, and if you have a weapon like Ridley, why wouldn't you? Well, I I agree that they're going to be throwing their way out of stuff just because it's you can't rebuild both sides of your ball in one draft typically, um, and so the 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 what I think we're missing though is yeah Julio was way low, but he missed seven games, which was about a hundred points on what his per game average was, which would have put him. Uh, at about wide receiver 9 or 10. Some of those points obviously would have came from Ridley. So Ridley then would have dropped from wide receiver 5. So they both probably would have been, I'm guessing, in the 10 to 20 range. Uh, I think if if Julio plays seven more full games, I don't think Ridley's a, a top five wide receiver. I think the changing of the guard is happening, just like it went from Roddy White to Julio Jones. But I also think Julio's got – I think there's more left in Julio's tank than there is in A.J. Green's tank. Yeah, absolutely. Julio is really interesting to me because I agree. Obviously, missing the seven games, I I don't think that he's done, but I'm really curious to see when he comes back because they're not trading him. I know there keeps being rumors about them trading him and Ryan. Their contracts are way too – well, I guess you can't say that because – who is it? Carson Wentz just got traded with a massive contract, but I don't. I don't think either one of those guys gets traded. Uh, I just. I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with this new offense because I do kind of like Arthur Smith being there. I like the the game or the way that he ran things in Tennessee. So how will that translate to Atlanta? I do think they need to get themselves a running back. Justin Jefferson comes in here as wide receiver six. Now I will say we all had him ranked 49. A lot of that, at least for me, I'll let you guys say your piece on it. But for me, it was we just didn't – I did not think that this offense was going to be as pass-happy as they were at times. 
I thought it was going to be very run heavy with Dalvin Cook, and I thought they were going to feed Thielen. I liked Jefferson. I think we all – I know I had him as a top three or four. I don't remember exactly where I had him in my rookie ranks, but he was one of my top rookies at wide receiver. And there was talks all during the uh, camps and everything, the limited camps they had, that Ola B.C. Johnson was running as the two. So it was kind of hard to trust in Justin Jefferson. And when we did our rankings, knowing that Ola B.C. Johnson was running ahead of him in the limited practices. Uh, but obviously he flashed. I do think he regresses a little bit, uh, but I don't expect him to fall much. Um, I still think probably it's top 12 wide receiver. I know I saw earlier that his ADP right now is like the seventh wide receiver off the board. That's a little bit crazy to me. I, I, I mean, I know he had a phenomenal rookie season getting compared up there with Randy Moss for what he did in Minnesota, but that that's, a, I would pump the brakes a little bit on that just personally, but Dennis, what are your takeaways from Justin Jefferson? Well, in the, I'm referencing that startup. I just finished again, Justin Jefferson, Whichever way it works. Wide receiver one. Wow. Really? That's crazy. Really? So, I mean, I got Devontae Adams at wide receiver two at the 108. So, I, I, part of the thing with Jefferson for me, I, you know, I don't think any of us sat here and said, Ola BC Johnson is a better talent. I think that what we bought into was, They've got Dalvin Cook, and they're not going to pass the ball as much as we think. We we we're not really bought into Kirk Cousins as being uh, that that kind of quarterback that's going to support two high level wide receivers year after year after year. Especially when Mike Zimmer is your head coach, and all Zimmer wants to do is run the ball. I think we got we kind of bought into that. I, I feel like if I remember, we felt like the second half of the season, Justin Jefferson was going to be the, the second guy on that team. Uh, but it was going to take a little while. to They were going to ease him into it. Uh, they tried to ease him into it. He just said, fuck that, and he took it. Um, I, I'm ner- I think he's the wide receiver one on the team now. I think what's going to keep Thielen in the running is going to be the touchdowns. Thielen, if it once Thielen stops catching touchdowns, I think he drops to a, a low two, maybe even a three. Um, if that happens, it, it, this is Justin Jefferson. Uh, I feel like it is the real deal here, and uh, hopefully, whoever succeeds Kirk Cousins um, can, can chuck the rock. Yeah. So. I think Jefferson did have an amazing year, um, you know, and, and I think he is really good. I would actually, of the two of them, so, you know, we, you know, if we want to include Thielen because we're right there, he finished as wide receiver 10. That's about kind of where we had him. You know, I know Matt had him at seven, you had him at nine, I had him at 10. That's right about where we thought. I'd be more worried about him regressing. Uh, because he didn't have a ton of receptions and yards. He had 14 touchdowns, and if he drops back down to like eight or nine touchdowns, that that could drop him more, kind of like what you said. Jefferson didn't do it all on touchdowns. He got 125 targets, got 88 receptions, 1,400 yards. Uh, 
when you're looking at it, we expected Minnesota to be run heavy. They were. Dalvin Cook had 312 carries in 14 games. Between him and Madison, the 16-game, you know, starting, they had over 400 carries. So they were that kind of run heavy. 516 attempts for Cousins is middle of the road for his three years in Minnesota. And I think we probably just, you know, I know for me, I was looking at Jefferson as being a rookie with no offseason coming into a Minnesota team that was probably going to run. I don't think I expected their defense to suck so much, which forces them into a lot more shootouts or to see this rookie class be able to overcome all the COVID handicaps as much as we saw a number of players in this class do at a number of positions. And, you know, if you looked at Cousins two years prior to this in Minnesota, he had supported having Diggs and Thielen both be pretty good um, assets. Actually, the first year he was in Minnesota, they threw, he threw it over 600 times. Both Diggs and Thielen were well over 100 receptions and were, were top, two top receivers. So it's maybe not giving enough credit to the idea that they can support two receivers while being a run <laughs> run heavy offense there isn't to me a lot of red flags that he'd have a massive fall off i wouldn't take him as receiver number one especially you know situation and his quarterback i think that's a little crazy but seeing him be in the top 10 shouldn't be that big of a surprise um you know i think a bigger question is do we start to see irv smith pick up is there anyone else that joins this passing game that's competition um those would be more of the things that I think would be a danger. I mean, I'd love to see Herb Smith do something, but Dennis, you're muted. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw it. I I'd love <laughs> to see Herb pick up. I drafted him as my tight end one. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right hoping for you. a big breakout there. I'd, I'd love to see it too. Well, you know, I'll, I'll keep hoping and praying because I've got him in a couple places, but I, I feel like that's not going to happen. Uh, I'm going to group these next two together ah, be because fine. they seem they seem to finish next to each other the past two seasons, even when Russell Wilson has like a historically bad second half of the season here. DK finishes as wide receiver seven, Tyler Lockett wide receiver eight. And we had them ranked fairly close together, just nowhere close to this in the 20s for all of us. 21, 26, 28, 26, 21, 23. So we expected both of them to finish those close to each other. Uh, but obviously in the 20s, for me, a lot of it was obviously we heard the, the, the rhetoric even though Russ wanted to cook, Pete Carroll was going to run the run, run the ball. Didn't really happen in the first half of the season. Obviously, they actually re- let Russ cook, and he was throwing the ball like a madman. Uh, and, and both of these guys finished uh, with great stats. I believe DK had the most touchdowns in Seahawks history, and Tyler Lockett either had the most catches or the most yards. Like both of those guys, like offset each other very well in the games that they played. I they had the expect- same number of touchdowns. Each of them had ten. Did they really? Then what did DK get? I know they both did I, it, something. I think Metcalf must have had yardage because he was at 1303. And then maybe Lockett uh, had Tyler, catches. Tyler Lockett had 100 receptions. Then my, that must have been what it was. So I mean, they both had amazing seasons, obviously. I don't – obviously there's a lot of stuff going on right now with rumors that Russell Wilson may be traded. I don't know if I necessarily buy into that. Uh, I think I need to hear it from Russell Wilson first before I'm going to believe it. I know they're saying that he said his agent said this, his agents are saying they didn't say that, whatever. Whether he's there or not, I'm buying more into DK continuing to be up here than Tyler Lockett. I don't expect Lockett to fall farther. I think when I was looking at my initial ranks that I was working on, 
I think I had Lockett right around 15, and I had DK, I believe, at 6. So I expect DK to stay here, but Lockett to fall a little bit. Dennis, how are you kind of splitting, or how are you looking at these two guys in Seattle? I I feel like the end is near for Tyler Lockett being uh, an elite fantasy weapon. Um, I would be surprised to, if I find him uh, inside my top 20. Uh, maybe it's just me being irrational, but I, I just feel like this is DK Metcalf's team when it comes to wide receivers. Uh, I think there's a place for Lockett. And if the team is winning, I feel like he'll have a level of productivity that um, will probably match what most people's expectations are, which is, you know, that wide receiver 20-ish. Um, you know, he, he had 17 more catches than uh, DK, you know, the 10 touchdowns. Uh, really helped him. I do think that there is with with the two of them, there's the opportunity for some hot and cold. Like one has a big game and the next game, they only have a couple catches for small yardage. And and that can be frustrating as a fantasy manager. Uh, I think Russ finished the year as QB six uh, but from week nine to on, he was QB 11. So Pete Carroll was expressing that uh, Russ has cooked enough. We're full. It's time to run the ball uh, mantra going on there towards the and, and even when he didn't have crap for running backs and, and Chris Carson was hurt, Pete Carroll was still like, oh, no, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. I don't know. Uh, I, I probably – I like DK as a, a top 10. He'll probably land somewhere in the back half of my top 10. Uh, and Metcalf uh, – not Metcalf, uh, Lockett, probably around a mid-level, mid-wide receiver two, somewhere in there. Yeah, I mean, that's probably my feeling too. There's a lot of questions with Seattle. You know, does does Wilson stay? If they move on from Wilson, I would be worried about both these guys potentially because, you know, what are they getting back? What are they moving to? What are they trying to do? But at the same time, you know, Chris Carson is a is a free agent. I know uh, we're we're podcasting with one of the last remaining Rashad Penny truthers. Um, that's right, but, baby. Yeah. Is he ready for, you know, two or 300 carries in a season? Uh, you know, who is the guy that's that's pounding the rock for them? I, plus, I have some misgivings about how Seattle finished the season. Even when they were trying to pass or needing to pass, the passing game wasn't that great in the second half. It wasn't what it was, you know, in the first half of the season. I'm sure you guys remember this. They were talking about Wilson being the new Joe Montana and – you know, uh, DK Metcalf in the new Jerry Rice. None, none of that, none of those kind of names were brought up, you know, from week 10 on. Um, both those receivers were pretty close in targets. Lockett had 132, Metcalf had 129. Big difference between them is Metcalf, you know, that almost 16 yards catch average was kind of the big bomber, you know, going for 1,300 yards on 83 receptions, whereas Lockett was was kind of the possession receiver. That seems to fit their roles. They have some other guys 
to mix in, you know, will, will we see, will Disley bounce back up? We've seen at times, you know, Russ likes to use the tight end. Um, will he end up running a little bit more? So there's questions. I, but based on talent, I probably am sitting Metcalf back end wide receiver one and Lockett putting him back in wide receiver two. I, I think he played a little bit above himself this year. So wide receiver nine here was Allen Robinson. Uh, we were all very close on him, which was a little bit surprising because I remember having like a huge discussion with Tony, having we all saying Tony had him too high. So I really want to remember where we where Tony had him because I I feel like we did not expect him to be I this good. Tony but, had him like five or so. It's only a spot higher than me because I had him at six. You had three. him at seven. I he can't see what Den- Dennis had him at eight. Yeah, eight. He might have had him at three or two. Okay. Regardless, dude has another amazing season with no real quarterback play. Um, Obviously, it's kind of hard to predict what's going to happen with him because he's a free agent. We don't know where he's going to go. There's rumors that the Bears may try and franchise tag him. I think it's fair to say that wherever he goes, he still has wide receiver one upside because he's done it with crappy quarterbacks everywhere. So hopefully he goes to a team with a good quarterback. So I'll phrase it to you this way. Since I know we're all fans of Allen Robinson, Dennis, where would you like to see him go? in free agency you know i haven't given it a ton of thought um mostly i guess because i expect chicago to to franchise tag him they'd be crazy to to let him walk um boy i don't know you know miami would be a good fit you know they they don't have uh I like mine. Uh, a, tr- a true alpha. worries me. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, they're going to draft Zach Wilson, I heard. No, nah, they're going to trade for Deshaun Watson is my hope. I, I, I didn't. Hope. I, I just keep I, – I was just putting random quarterback that came to my mind in, in Miami. Um, I, I you, you know, he's got he, – it doesn't – I don't think it matters where he goes. You're talking the difference between is he going to be wide receiver five or is he going to be wide receiver nine? Because we know that that's pretty much where he's going to land. Go to Jacksonville, you know, line him up across from DJ Chark. You know, that would be a great spot. It's, you know, the Jets need the Jets need a true alpha wide receiver. Maybe, you know, they can – do something, get something out of Darnold that, you know, hopefully, you know, they're spending some money on counseling to get Darnold off of, uh, you know, whatever he was on with saying how Gase was a great coach. So uh, I forget what that shouting Friday or something. What do they call that? Yeah. Shout Syndrome. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but I'm old and I'm not expected to remember it without notes. Yeah, it's when the kidnapping victim identifies with the kidnapping. Yeah, Stockholm syndrome, yeah. right? Yeah, Stockholm uh, bingo. Syndrome. As soon as okay, you said the Matt, kidnapping thing, Matt, I watched too much mafia and murder stuff. So as soon as you Matt's, said the kidnapping, that's the only one of us kid. that's been kidnapped. Yeah, 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 well, yeah it shows. <laughs> well, I was a Browns fan. You know, you're familiar with the concept. 
Uh, yeah, very much so. But where, uh, Matt, where would you like to see him go? Or do you have a spot? Because I'm with Dennis. Like, I'd like <sighs> Miami, obviously, as I said, Tua. I mean, he's better than Trubisky, but by how much is probably the real question there. But I would like to see him go somewhere besides Chicago. I take that back. If Chicago gets a quarterback, I'd love to see him stay. But I'm not sure they're going to get one. So, Matt, where would you like to see him go? Yeah, I don't think I'm not, it's hard to get excited about Miami unless you know they're going to make a change. Um, because you know, I just don't know if that's out. I think he's going to end up getting franchise tagged by Chicago, too. Um, you know, I've seen some suggestions like San Francisco that could be interesting. I mean, it just seems like all the places where he could potentially end up right now have big questions at quarterback. You know, what would the dream would be, you know, like he ends up in, in Kansas City and you see what he could do with somebody like Patrick Mahomes, but that doesn't make sense cap wise or, or based dream. on how no. that's not your that's not your no. dream. No. As a Browns fan, I would really like to not see that happen if possible. Um so that's that's the whole probably difficulty right now. I, I still I would love to see him go to the Colts, um, you know, too, because that's a team that has some cap space. They have a fine quarterback. They have a pretty good offensive scheme, and I think they're going to be competitive. I think that would be kind of good. You know, it's not just wanting to see him with a better quarterback. I, I feel like the guy has been trapped in some downer situations. It would be nice to see him actually get to play, you know, for a winning for a winning chance. I know he got to make the playoffs this year, but um, there was really, I don't think anyone from the moment it began, including the people running the slime gun at Nickelodeon thought that the bears had a chance in that game. Um, their coach certainly was not calling a game like he thought they had a chance. So it'd be nice to see, get some success. Um, but I, I'm with Dennis. I think anywhere he goes, he's, he's proven, you know, it doesn't really matter who he has. He's going to find a way to thrive. He did this last year with Noodle Arm, Nick Foles, and inconsistent Mitch Trubisky. So Adam Thielen Noodle Arm, comes in Nick, and Scattershot Trubisky. Yeah. <laughs> scattershot uh, Mitch. Just, yeah. just Noodle Arm, Nick, and Scattershot Mitch. Uh, Thielen comes in at 10. Uh, we were all fairly close. Matt nailed it, uh, ranking him 10 earlier. Dennis pretty much as well at 9, and I had him at 7. I, I honestly think, obviously, with the – he obviously did this with Jefferson having the year that he had, but as Matt mentioned earlier, in hopes that, that Irv Smith steps up a little bit, I do expect Thielen to take a small step back. He's one of the guys in the top 10 that I think possibly falls out of the top 10. I don't know if I'm going to have him in my top 10. I have to go look at my ranks, but I, I'm pretty sure I have him outside my top 10 right now. Uh, but I don't expect him to fall out much. I, I, I still like him a lot and think he's going to still be a very productive wide receiver. Matt, what would you uh, do with Thielen moving into the 21 season? Yeah, I'm going to probably drop him just a little bit because, like I said, so much of what he did was was he put up some pretty epic touchdown numbers. If that comes back to the mean at all, you know, if he catches nine or 10 instead of 14, that could drop him into the wide receiver two range. Yeah, that's, you know, he 42 more of his points uh, came off of touchdowns than Jefferson. He only had 950 yards receiving. And yeah, 
I feel like Thielen is probably wide receiver 18, somewhere in that range. You know, I, I haven't uh, I haven't even started to do preseason rankings for next year. But that just, you know, looking at the list of people here uh, that we're talking about, I, I, I feel like he's going to drop down uh, fairly significantly. Uh, I, I think dropping from – from 10 to 20 is, is, you know, it depends on how you value him, what you're, you know, if you're acquiring him in a startup, where are you taking him? You need to be reasonable with it. And hopefully you get him late enough that he overperforms where you had him. But uh, like this year, I, I feel like, yeah, 18, 18 to 20 is probably the range. All right, so uh, at 11 was my favorite wide receiver in the NFL, Mike Evans. Uh, I had him at 12, Dennis at 10, and Matt at 14. I mean, I don't really see that changing at all unless Brady falls off a cliff, which doesn't seem like it's going to happen until about 2053. So I I feel like it's pretty safe to say, even with Godwin coming back, Evans is going to still be good. If Godwin comes back. Are we sure that Tom Brady's not a robot? No. no. I, I've actually I mean, seriously want like inquiries done at this point. So yeah. I, I love Mike Evans. I, I was I was a little bit concerned this year and he pretty much uh put all my fears to rest. Um I, I you know I just had concerns that he wouldn't get the the targets necessary and he you know, him and Brady fit right in. I think Brady, I, I think at some point Brady said, I remember what it's like to have a six foot five wide receiver now. And he just settled in and they had chemistry and, and uh, it moved forward from there. Uh, I, I agree. I, I think Godwin wants to go back, but I don't think Godwin's going to go back on the cheap. And I, I feel like, they liked what they saw out of Tyler Johnson. They still have Scotty Miller. Uh, did they sign Brown to a one-year or two-year deal? Yeah, a he's a free agent. agent. He's a free agent, too, but I still feel like Antonio Brown's more likely to take a discount to go back to play with Brady in Tampa Bay than Godwin. They're in different yeah. spots in their career. Very much so. Yeah, I mean – I think Evans is right about where he is. He's either going to be a low-end wide receiver one or a high-end wide receiver two, especially since all he seems to do is catch touchdowns. Yeah. All right, so speaking of A. Brown, A.J. Brown comes in as wide receiver 12. I had him at 18. Dennis on the spot on there with 14. Matt, you had him at 22. Obviously look like to be the guy here in this offense. With Ryan Tannehill, those two have got a really good connection. We saw it, obviously, at the end of his rookie season. That did continue, even with the injuries moving into his second season. Obviously, the big thing now is Arthur Smith moves on. He takes the Atlanta head coaching job. Are you guys worried at all about how this may affect him? Is he still a high-end wide receiver one, more of a wide receiver two for you? Matt, how are you looking at A.J. Brown? I wouldn't say high-end wide receiver one. I could see, you know, I think where he is is – probably uh, you know about right it's not like he blew anything away um he caught 70 passes had 106 targets uh got 1075 yards 11 touchdowns i mean you could see him easily kind of repeating that number so anywhere between uh you know probably 10 to 16 uh feels like the right range for him 
I, I agree with that 100%. And with Corey Davis being a free agent, they need to figure out what's going to happen on the other side. Um, John U. Smith is a free agent. It, it doesn't look like either one of them are going to be back. What it comes down to for me uh, is can, can they run Derrick Henry 380 times again? And if so, how does that, you know, then their offense, I think, stays virtually the same. If if for some reason Henry can't carry the load, he gets dinged up this year uh, because he had, he's had so many touches the past couple of years. Uh, it's hard to bet against Derrick Henry because he's just such an anomaly at 6'3 and 250. It, and if that's the case, then he, he – He's the perfect foil for A.J. Brown. Brown is super efficient with his touches. He only had, I think, 106 targets last year. He converted 70 of them. That's seventy, almost a 66% catch rate. So he's, he's making things happen. It's just going to come down to, does the, is the new offensive coordinator able to keep that team hitting on all cylinders. Uh, you know, they lost an offensive lineman last year to Cleveland. Uh, you know, their number one draft pick offensive lineman has flaked out and, and uh, seems to be losing his mind. Uh, so it's – they're going to have to start they're, – they're hitting that patch things together stage of their window. You know, every team, you know, they have these windows where – everything's clicking. Now they're mature. They've been there before. Now they're, it's like, okay, they're starting to get dinged up, losing people to financial situations. Now there it's like, okay, let's start sticking it together with bubble gum, bubble, bubble gum and glue and see if we can hold this together for another year or two. I think they're entering that phase of the window. All right, so at number 13, uh, a surprise to at least me, uh, Dennis and Matt were kind of close, was Keenan Allen. I had him at 25, Dennis at 19, Matt at 15. Obviously, Herbert playing much better than any of us expected really helped him out, and I don't see that changing. You know, Matt and I talked about it a little bit on Monday's episode with them losing Mike Williams and possibly Hunter Henry, although the word is they may franchise tag him. I think this is the perfect spot for Keenan Allen. I think he's going to stay right here in this area, uh, you know, injuries aside, because I don't say he has an injury history, but he's gotten banged up a little bit here and there. Uh, but with the way Herbert's played, even if Herbert takes a little bit of a step back, I don't see Allen dropping much. Do you agree with that, Dennis? Yeah, I, I think that Allen has established himself as a very high floor receiver. Uh, I think they exercised Mike Williams' option, though. I think he is back Did next they? year. Uh, yeah. And then, you know. you know, Henry is a free agent, and it looks like he's probably going to leave. I, I like what they have in Donald Parham and – you know, they need definitely need a second tight end that can uh, block probably better than Parham. But Parham seems like he's maturing into an NFL player. Uh, Jalen Guyton looked good as a deep threat. Uh, and with Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, and Joshua Kelly, I feel like they've got, they've, they've got a 60-40 committee uh, in that backfield that, that can really work things out. Uh, and then Herbert just has to – as long as he doesn't suffer a sophomore slump of epic proportions, uh, I think the season bodes really well for Keenan Allen. I think he's got another couple years of, of 
high two, low one production inning. Yeah, he's right. Mike Williams has his uh, okay. fifth year option this year for uh, almost seventeen million dollars. Good for him. Good for him. Um, you know, I think we probably would have all been higher on Keenan Allen uh, when we were doing this last year and had him locked up in this range if we didn't think he was potentially going to get six to eight games of Tyrod Taylor. Well, again, correct, I, I can't, I cannot defend myself on that because I was very adamant that Herbert was going to start after three games. So I was only a game off and I still projected him to, to be this low. So you guys were very adamant that Tyrod Taylor was going to start most of the year. I did not. Now, I did not call for the punctured Look, lung. I, I wasn't play, friends but... with the doctor that was going to knock Tyrod Taylor out of playing professional football like you. No, were. and I can't confirm or deny that because there's a statute of limitations that has not gone up yet. So, next up is Robert Woods, who again, I. Well, actually, we were all pretty close on him. I had him at 11, and both of you had him at 17, so really not far off. We were both three in opposite ways. I was a little bit ahead. You guys were a little behind. I honestly think he has a chance to be better than this because I think he is going to be great for Matt Stafford in this offense with Sean McVay. I, I think I, we mentioned it a little bit, obviously, at least me and Matt did. I don't remember. No, we did get your take on it, Dennis, because that's right. We talked about it uh, from the Detroit side as well. I think Cup is the one who takes a bigger hit with Stafford coming over than Woods. So I think he can finish right here, if not maybe a little bit higher. Do you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I think that's probably the right range for him. Yeah, you know, the, I'm not sure that Cup is going to take a big hit. I, I feel like Woods and Cup both play such a similar role. Um, th- one of them is going to have to get pushed out of their comfort zone some and, and work down the field a little more. Uh, you know, they have, what, second-year player Van Jefferson is very much in the same vein as Cup and Woods. What they lack really is a downfield speedster. Somebody has to step into that role uh, and make things happen. I know I think K.J. Hill is their wide receiver five who will step up to a four. He's not that that, guy either. He's on the Chargers, other L.A. team. Oh, okay. Okay, I I forget. It seems like there's Van Van Jefferson. and uh, I don't know if if Josh Reynolds is still going to be under – Contract, but yeah, he's, he's the other one in the mix. Yeah, yeah. So Reynolds is a free agent, so you know they need somebody that's that's going to be able to stretch the field. Um, and I, I don't think necessarily that Goff had a bad arm. I just don't think that he processed effectively to read the field and get deep. Uh, whereas Stafford has the arm to make the in, in the. The, the processing to make the split decisions a little better than Goff did. And Stafford also, uh, I think, possessed a little more, possesses more willingness to take the risk that I, I think Goff was somewhat risk averse in making the throws. Uh, Stafford isn't that way. He, he'll, he'll, will, Stafford believes he can fit the ball in there and uh, will take those uh, opportunities. So the wide receivers they have under contract is Cup, Woods, Jefferson, Nasimba Webster, Tristan Jackson, and Jay Koski. Never even heard of the last three. So 
I know, but they're I've there, heard so of I them. thought I would read them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, okay, you you could have you could have made up a name, and I would have been. Oh, that's cool. No, but you don't know. I didn't. You didn't look it yeah, up. So that is very true. Um. So at 15 was my other favorite wide receiver, Amari Cooper. I had him at 23. Dennis 18. Matt at 21. Uh, and CD Lamb as well finished here in the top 24 at 22. We all had him in the 40s. Uh, we're not expecting him. I, really, I think it's fair to say we're not expecting Dak to have like a godlike season that he was having earlier in the year until the injury. Uh, what do you expect from these two? All signs are pointing toward Dak is going to re-sign with Dallas. I think that's obviously nothing but wheels up for both of these guys. I expect both to finish in this same area, but I will say I think Lamb might jump. Amari this year uh, might be a little bit heinous to say I am the I guess noted Amari Cooper hater on this podcast but uh, I think with what Lamb showed as well with uh, with the backup quarterbacks and just the role that he plays Gallup possibly leaving in a year I like CeeDee Lamb in this offense I think he's going to be the guy moving forward Matt Gallup's a free agent right now is he I thought he had one more year no I'm pretty sure he's Noah Brown season baby uh, Matt, you no, are, uh, Gallup does have one more year. He's he's uh, okay. unrestricted free he, agent after twenty one. I thought he had one more year, but you are the uh, closet Cowboys fan on this podcast. So, what do you take away from Cooper and Lamb? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll both uh, probably be in this uh, wide receiver two range uh, at least. I I do tend more like you, especially if we're talking about dynasty ring, I'm especially taking lamb over Cooper, but even, even in their redraft position, I think I would, I, I'm going to put lamb a little bit um, over Cooper. The one that seemed to be the odd man out all year was Gallup. And I, I don't know if that changes. Well, I think the challenge Gallup had this year, uh, and I think it's reflected in, where the other two finished as well. Gallup was wide receiver 38. I feel like a healthy Dak would have had Gallup somewhere in the 26 to 28 range. Uh, I think CD and Amari Cooper would have both been bumped up as well. So Gallup is definitely the third guy. Uh, he plays a different role than the other two. He's more of the the true deep threat. And as much as I like Michael Gallup, I think that as long as he's in Dallas with those other two, that's always going to be the case. Uh, but a healthy Dak coming back, uh, if that offensive line can hold up one more year, uh, it could very well be a, you know, Gallup in his floor at, you know, wide receiver 28 or so, that could be the bottom of the three. So I, I, I like all three of them to, to be productive. Um, it's, it's hard to turn your back on it when, when they're looking. I'd love to, I, I think the Cowboys are in a situation though right now. What they need to do is they need to trade Michael Gallup because I don't think you can get somebody to take on Amari Cooper and I don't think you trade – I mean, granted, somebody took on Carson Wentz, so I'm talking out my ass a little bit there. Um, and, and you're not going to get rid of C.D. Lamb uh, after one year when he's shown you what he is. But I think Gallup – they could trade Gallup for another position of need. 
whether it's a, a offensive lineman, whether it's something to bolster their defense. Uh, you know, we've seen was it Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown both step up. We we saw uh, the tight ends in Dallas. Schultz and Jarwin were stepping up. I think Jarwin before his injury. And I also happened. feel like Lamb and Cooper play enough different that they complement each other um, in a way that you know that may that makes it more logical. Like you're saying, to trade Gal. Mm-hmm. All right, so next up we're going to talk about the three Pittsburgh wide receivers that finished in the top 24. I remember talking about the Dallas Cowboys wide receivers thinking there was a shot that all three could finish in the top 24, maybe even the top 36, and it was Pittsburgh that did it. Juju came in at wide receiver 16. I had him at 16, Dennis at 15, Matt at 9. Deontay Johnson at 21. I had him at 32, Dennis 39, Matt at 44. And then Chase Claypool, none of us had him ranked because uh, there was all the talk that he was going to go to tight end, and he shut all of us up for thinking that. So obviously the biggest thing here, Ben coming back, the rumor is, or they said today that he's going to come back. They're working out a way to change that financially to help out Pittsburgh. Juju has come out and said that since Ben is coming back, he would like to come back. I don't know if he'll be able to with Pittsburgh's cap situation. I do think he'd still be a good fit there. If Juju does go back, I still think the biggest loss for them is Randy Finkner, who never saw a pass play he didn't like. So them possibly moving to a more run-heavy scheme I think affects all of them. For me, out of the three, even as good as Claypool is, I've I said it all year. I still believe it. Deontay's the guy for me. Even when he went from Deontay Johnson to Deontay Dropson, he was still, in my opinion, the best guy on that that staff. Who are you guys buying into? Do you think Juju leaves or stays? And if you think he stays, is he the best? If you think he leaves, where do you think he goes, Dennis? I don't have any idea where he goes. Um, I I just I, I can't get my head around why somebody with what seems to me is an obvious successful slot receiver skill set just can't get his head around why he should be successful in the slot and just doesn't seem to perform well there. But that yet he still finished his wide receiver 16 last year. It, it felt for all intents and purposes that he was having a relatively lousy year. Um, Claypool you know, I don't know that we bought in necessarily to the him being the tight end. I think we bought into him being the wide receiver four on that team. I think we felt like the skill set he had, the things that he did w- were able to do, just didn't real just weren't quite NFL ready. Well, fool me twice because I I kind of felt the same way. He has kind of a DK Metcalf skill set, uh, but he does it really really well. Um, and, and then uh, with Deontay Johnson, he would have had such a better year if he just caught a few more balls that he dropped, uh, one of which cost me a win in the playoffs, actually. Yeah. Yes, I'm bitter. Uh, I, feel I, I, feel, I feel like they they have three solid plus James Washington. Even if one of them goes away, whether Juju doesn't come back, I think Washington might be a free agent as well. Uh, and that and Pittsburgh no, is good at Pittsburgh is good at drafting wide receivers. Even if they let Juju go, it isn't like they're going going to be like, what do we do now? They're going to go out and probably draft Dwayne Eskridge and make him a hundred catch guy or something like that. You know, it'll be something silly that we nobody sees as some fourth or fifth rounder that will end up being the guy in the slot and 
have a hundred targets. Uh, I I don't know where to where I'd put Juju though. He he's you know he he has an out, outside receiver's mind and a slot receiver's body, slot receiver's skill set. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if if Juju went back. Uh, but regardless, I, I'm with you. I, I would have Deontay Johnson as the highest of that group. I mean, he got the most targets. He just didn't always, uh, you know, turn it into receptions. Um, you know, Juju was much more efficient uh, with his targets, and then Claypool had the had the huge plays. If all three of them are there, I mean, I. I think they do all three still have a possibility of being in the top 24 because as much as Pittsburgh says it would like to be a power running game, who do they have to be that power runner? I don't think, you know, Connor's a free agent. None of us think he's probably going back there. Do they get, you know, a Harris in the draft and that, and that becomes the answer for them. If not, none of the guys that they had on that roster outside of Connor seems capable of carrying the load. We saw uh, Benny Snell got 111 carries last year and averaged 3.3 yards a carry. Couldn't even get to 400 yards. So that's not lighting the world on fire for me either. They have the weapons to be a good passing team. They have a division that's, that's coming up. You know, we aren't hundred percent sure when, Burrow is going to be back, but if he is back to start the season, he figures Cincinnati's improved. Cleveland's still very strong. Baltimore's still very strong. The AFC, top of the AFC with Buffalo and Kansas City, you're talking about a lot of teams that can put points. I think Pittsburgh's still going to end up having to throw. Ben threw it 608 times. It's not like it was a you know world record pace. Um, so I think all three of those guys still with their big playability and their ability to score could be up, up in there. Um, for me, I said before, if, if I wouldn't mind seeing Juju go someplace like Arizona, which is a high volume pass offense where I think he'd be a great option opposite uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, uh, one picks- thing I think we, we forget with Pittsburgh is uh, Marquise, Marquise Pouncey retiring. Yeah, that's, you know, their offensive line has some issues. Villanueva didn't play very good. I think they had one of their guards may have retired as well. So they're yeah. they're going to have some definite opportunity there. Yeah. Uh, so Brandon Cooks comes in at 17. I had him at 35. So did Matt. Dennis had him at 49. Uh, I mean, he had a better season than obviously I thought he was going to and, and honestly thought he did when I saw him on the list this high. I did not expect him to be up there. The biggest question with him is going to be, is Deshaun Watson going to be his quarterback? And and for me, yeah. I can't rate his value until I know what that. I did just see a report from Ian Rappaport that uh, many teams around the league believe that Houston is not trading Watson. So if they don't trade Watson, I think he finishes right around this territory. If they do, it's hard to say because I have no idea who their quarterback's going to be or what's going on. So for me, if Watson's still there, I'd keep him right around this range, maybe closer to 24, but I don't think he falls much. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, if if Watson is there, low-end wide receiver too, I think even if they don't trade Watson, he won't come back and play, which is why I think Cooks you know, might be a guy you, you try to trade uh, this offseason for what you can get considering how, how good he finished because the range of outcomes, I think he could be wide receiver three, wide receiver four, where we thought he might be. 
you know, it's it's Cooks just seems to keep producing. And generally he's got a pretty good quarterback, and that that's a that plays a pretty big part in it. I I feel like the Brit if if the Texans are not gonna get let Watson get traded, they'll mend that bridge somehow. Watson can be stubborn, but it doesn't move his situation along. And I know we've seen it with you know, Melvin Gordon and and Lev Bell and and stuff. You know, if if I'm Deshaun Watson, I, I get that quarterbacks are different than running backs, but I don't necessarily think it worked out well for Melvin Gordon and Lev Bell to hold out for a half a season, a whole season. Uh, the, yeah, Lev got him. No, I don't. He didn't get the ring this year because he wasn't there last year either. So, you know, it's it's a situation where. I agree with Matt. You you can't rate you can't determine where you think Cooks is going to finish, but it'll come down to uh, to what happens with Will Fuller. Are they going to franchise tag tag Fuller? Uh, you know they they have some options. They're trying to reset, and Watson is young enough that they could take a couple years and reset that team and be good and have a really good quarterback. But I think if you're going to do that, you, you got to protect him. You can't let him get the snot knocked out of him every week. So not the Detroit Lions wide receiver we thought was going to finish this high as Marvin Jones comes in at wide receiver 18. Obviously, some of that probably has to do with Kenny Galladay being out most of the season. We had him ranked in the 30s, 37, 34. Matt had him at 26. Uh, much like Brandon Cooks, I think it's kind of hard to say what to expect from Marvin Jones right now. He's a very productive wide receiver when he's on the field, uh, but he's made it pretty widely known that he doesn't want to go back to Detroit. He wants to go somewhere and compete for a ring. I feel like that, in all honesty, is kind of a limited amount of teams and who's going to have room to bring him on and what role he goes to. If he goes to a team like the Colts, I think that he could have some very serious value going there, maybe stay around this area. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, Matt mentioned the Chiefs with Robinson, maybe the same thing there. I think he kind of could fit in well there as, as well. But until I know his landing spot, it's kind of hard to say. I think his you know, range of outcomes could be anywhere from here to like a wide receiver four, depending on what team he goes to. Dennis, as a Lions fan yourself, what do you think of uh, Jones? I think he's probably a, a better – NFL wide receiver on a consistent basis than a fantasy wide receiver on a consistent basis. You you love when you have a bye week and have to stick him in your lineup and he goes off for four touchdowns. Um, Jones is a quality receiver. He's going to – I think wide receiver 18 may – you know, that overstates his value a bit. Uh, he's more of the 25 to 30 – range on a year-to-year basis, I think. Uh, I like him fine. He's definitely – I think you can do a lot worse as a, your wide receiver three uh, on your fantasy team than Marvin Jones. But where does he go now? You know, we'll have to see where he lands. You know, does he follow Matthew Stafford out to L.A.? You know, we're, he, he's got the skill set that they seem to be missing. And – uh that they could keep that three wide receiver set that McVay likes to run. And, you know, they've, they've got the uh, acres and, and uh, it's, you know, could be a prime spot for him. 
Yeah, I, I think he's one of those kind of players that we're not going to see him uh, sign until post-draft when teams are looking to fill holes for whatever they couldn't get in that first wave of free agency and out of the draft. And that's going to have a real impact. Um, my gut tells me low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four. All right, so three wide receivers left. I'm going to save uh, the two Carolina ones uh, to talk about together. So the last single guy here is Terry McLaurin, who came in at wide receiver 20. I had him at 20, Dennis 23, and Matt at 20 as well. So all very – Matt and me obviously hit right on the head, Dennis right there. Uh, McLaurin, good season, obviously. Suffered with injuries, bad quarterback play all season long. I think sky's the limit for McLaurin. Uh, we saw uh, – who was it that said it? Ah, dang it. I was trying to remember who it was. I was listening to it this morning. There was a very prominent NFL cornerback who came out and talked about how Terry McLaurin was the hardest wide receiver for him to cover because of the way he runs his routes, even when being bracketed, which means he's got the quarterback on him and then a safety over the top, and yet he was still getting open and making plays. They said that if Washington was smart and got another good wide receiver across from him, that Terry McLaurin would end up showing you he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. I do hope that that happens, just him being a Buckeye and a big fan of him, but I do think they need to get him a quarterback as well. There's a lot of talk they may stick with Alex Smith, which I'm not 100% sold on is going to help McLaurin. Uh, but Dennis, being a butt guy as well, what are your thoughts on McLaurin and the future for him? I think the future is bright. The dude is really, really, really good. And uh, I hope he doesn't suffer from Allen Robinson syndrome for the next few years of his career and be perpetually cursed to play with shitty quarterbacks because that would be a shame. You, you know who'd be a great fit on the other side there? Juju F and Schuster, that's who. Put Juju across from Terry McLaurin because that way, because they, they don't need Juju to play a slot role there. He can play an outside role. He doesn't have the speed that McLaurin has, but the two of them, I think, would be good complements as a, you know, a 1A, 1B kind of uh, uh, approach. Uh, you, you know, and I, I had a thought when you were talking about Marvin Jones. He'd be he'd look good in Kansas City, uh, but but back to McLaurin. Yeah, that's, what that's what I'm afraid of. That's why I said that. I was like, I, I could just see him going there with with uh, with Sammy Watkins leaving and him just wanting to ring because I think he's gotten some good contracts from Detroit. So he takes like right. a, a decent like team friendly contract goes there. It just it'd be very upsetting. No, but continue. Back to McLaurin, though, man. It's all it's gonna be all about the quarterback there. It's I, I just man, I, I I wanna see McLaurin as a buckeye, I wanna see McLaurin succeed. But they they it, Washington has players on the defense. They've got Antonio Gibson, they've got uh Logan Thomas at tight end. Good uh, they've got some players they I think I feel like one of the things we talk about how you build a team is you build it from the inside out and then you get your quarterback because then you've got this solid, really good team that you put a quarterback in to take it to the next level. I almost feel like Washington is right there. That's where they're at right now is they need to look around and go, who's an awesome quarterback that's going to come in here and elevate the level of this team, much like Tampa did with Tom Brady. They need to bring somebody in that's going to lift that team up, not put the team on its back and carry it, 
you know, Matthew Stafford would have been great there. I think he was, he's that type of player that they need to come in. I'm trying to think of who might actually be available out there. It's not Cam Newton. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. That's all the rumors. <sighs> so, um, I, you know, I think this position is probably right for McLaurin's floor. Uh, you know, if they get, you know, like you said, they have big questions. Who else are they getting in that receiver room? They don't really have a wide receiver two on the roster right now. They got to either through the draft or through free agency. Got to get that. And then big questions about the quarterback position. You know, he was fine with Alex Smith. I don't think Alex Smith unlocks his uh, full potential. Cam Newton sure as hell doesn't unlock his full potential. And in fact, if that was the way they went, maybe this isn't his floor. But, uh, you know, those are. McLaren's going to be, I think, in the top 24, barring some catastrophic th- incident. He could go higher or lower in that sphere based on what happens this offseason. Yeah, and obviously we all hope that he goes higher. I was looking at the QB free agents, and yet yeah, nothing inspires confidence. I mean, I, you know, it's going to be crazy to say this. Ryan Fitzpatrick might actually do wonders for that offense, and, and he's a free agent, but... Outside of him, I mean, you're looking at. I don't think he fits uh, Ron Rivera's. uh, No, I mean, he probably doesn't. But I mean, outside of him, you're looking at like Tyrod Taylor, Mitch Trubisky, Colt McCoy, Andy Dalton, you know, Cam Newton. Actually, I think Andy Dalton wouldn't be terrible. uh, And I'd rather I'd rather take the bearded wonder. I I feel like Jameis Winston being out there, he's he's gonna chuck it. I think, and he's. I think Jameis is a good quarterback. For the game uh, and a half, Ron Rivera lets him play. Right. But it's to me, I guess if I'm ranking these free agents, I probably have Winston, uh, where'd he go? Dalton and then Fitzpatrick I because I'm just I, I'm just not uh, uh, believing that Dak is going to be available. Yeah. Yeah, I, I doubt it. All right, so the last two wide receivers for today's show, Robbie Anderson, who finished at wide receiver 19, and, um, yeah, that's right, none of us had ranked. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that goes to show us, right? And then Curtis Samuel, which is just funny. Um, So finishes as wide receiver 24. I did not have him ranked. Uh, Dennis had him at 45, and Matt had him at 48. Yet I distinctly remember some blowhard talking on the quarterback podcast about how Teddy Bridgewater was going to be really good for this offense and raise up a Curtis Samuel. And then that blowhard didn't even rank him. That would be. Oh, I was going to say it wasn't. No, no, it was me. That was my point is I talked about how I thought Teddy was going to be a great fit. Joe Brady was going to inspire this offense. We need to really include the third guy, which finished at 25, which is DJ, DJ Moore, Moore. Yeah. Who is the one that I think all of us thought believed was in, yeah. wide receiver one potential yeah, we, guy we there. Can, we can put him there. I mean, he finished, as you said, 25. So right there. I had him at 14, Dennis 12, and Matt, you had him at 11. And yeah, we all believed him. But I remember distinctly saying this was Curtis Samuel's year. And I was right, but I didn't put my money where my mouth was because I did not rank him at all. So that obviously looks really bad. We don't know what this offense is going to look like. You know, obviously Joe Brady did what I thought he was going to do. He made this a very good offense. Teddy Bridgewater was serviceable, but obviously it looks like they want to go a different route. You know, that's all, as Matt's mentioned many times, seems like that's kind of the big, 
the big dysfunction in that front office earlier this offseason with uh, why they let go of their general manager. He wanted to keep Teddy. Seems like Matt Rule and Joe Brady want to go a different direction. If they were to land a Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, like some mocks have had it, I think it'd be wheels up for all these guys. The difference is, or for Robbie Anderson well, and DJ Samuel Moore, is a free agent. yeah, because as I was going to say, Curtis Samuel is a free agent. There's a lot of rumors about him possibly going to Jacksonville to hook up with his old coach in Urban Meyer, which I think would actually be a great fit there. Uh, but how do you guys kind of rank these three guys? I mean, it's clearly DJ Moore for me. I know Robbie Anderson had a great yeah. year, but DJ Moore has got all the talent in the world. And I actually do think, if Curtis Samuel comes back here or if he goes to Jacksonville, we saw him actually stay healthy all this year. The way he was utilized, I do think he has a chance to finish in this same area again. Uh, but what do you think, Matt? Yeah, Curtis Samuel is going to depend on his landing spot. Um, but, you know, he definitely obviously has this potential. For the guys staying in Carolina, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm not going as high as I did last year, but DJ Moore, I'm, I'm putting him back in the wide receiver too. And, you know, Robbie Anderson was a guy they wanted to get that Matt Rule had had before um, that they seem to like that seems to fit what they're trying to do offensively. Um, you know, you were talking about how you talked to Curtis Samuel and didn't rank him. I was the one that, that thought it was a good move going to get Robbie Anderson and he was going to hurt Curtis Samuel and then turned around and didn't rank him. So neither of us uh, – we're willing to uh, to put a number or a bet, uh, you know, by by our feelings. I think Anderson maybe goes down a little bit, maybe more into the up, upper end wide receiver three range, and uh, you know, we see DJ Moore come up a bit. Um, it's going to depend a little bit too about what they're able to do at quarterback. They're one of the other teams that's making a huge push after Deshaun Watson. Well, I, I think it's going to depend mostly on uh, Christian McCaffrey. You know, not having him for 13 games or 12 games, whatever it was, uh, definitely impacted what that team could do. Uh, as good a year as Mike Davis had and that Steve Smith or whoever the hell it was came back, came in at the end and ruined some of my teams that I had to start Mike Davis on. Uh, Rodney Smith or whatever his damn name is. Uh, DJ Moore is clearly the the number one. Um, I think having him at you know where we had him somewhere between you know 12, 14 range, probably not out of the question. I, I definitely still think that he can produce at that level. Curtis Samuel is gonna you know, where's he going to go? I don't know if I, I mean, how is he different? What he, how is what he does different than what LaVisca Chenault does? I think he's a little bit more explosive. I mean, LaVisca's got the size, but I think Samuel's got the speed and I just, I think they can use him a little bit more. I mean, they both have the same yeah. injury questions, I, I mean, guess you could say about him. I, so. I feel like they're going to, if they take Samuel, they'll use, they'll be used in the, a very similar manner uh, in part because Visca isn't a great route runner. I don't think, I think he's still developing as a wide receiver. Um, but Samuel was the same way coming into the league, had to develop his route running chops and, and get better. Um, so I, I don't know that, you know, does a skill set, skill set fit there? Yeah. Do they already have somebody that's, 
uh, and while it was the last regime that brought in Chenault, they already have somebody that kind of does that. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where where uh, Samuel lands. Uh, and and Robbie, I think Robbie is going to be wide receiver three, four-ish, like he's been most of his career. Um, have some blow-up games. Uh, he, he's going to – I think he's uh, Nelson Aguilar with – Better hands, basically. How dare you, sir? Nelson Aguilar proved he had hands this year. <laughs> he, he did this year. In, in what, year 11? It's been like year, eight, like year right? five. Yeah, oh, was it five? I thought, you know, that was that might be six. No, trust me. Aguilar got me in the playoffs in a couple of leagues last year. I was delighted. Yeah, he, he I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. He, he definitely, you know. For all those people throwing the shade about him not being able I'm to catch a baby, I'm still not throwing my baby window. down no, to him out of a burning window. Yeah, I'm still not doing that. Say. Yeah, good old Philly fans, man, running everybody out of town. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Matt and I will be back on Tuesday again this week. Uh, I've got some family in town, so we will be recapping one division, and I'm not even sure what else we're doing. Maybe more wide back out for the wide receivers. Yeah. Okay. Back half of the wide receivers. And then obviously we'll be back again next Thursday as well to probably talk possibly more tight wide ends. receivers, tight ends. Are we talk- Oh, that's right. You set up like a whole thing. I'm, I'm completely just skipping over exactly what you said earlier. Somebody no, tried it. to help. I appreciate all the help, Matt. Matt Matt's the real, the real, uh, what's the, the real MVP behind the scenes here. So yes, we were doing tight ends next Thursday. So everybody have a good weekend and we will talk to you guys again soon. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. It is in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored.